Well, this morning we have a great opportunity uh, to hear someone else preach other than me. And, uh, and so I'm excited for it. I'm excited to be able to, uh, to hear a message and to be uh, preached to uh, just as much as uh, I'm sure you all are ready for that as well. So it's going to be great. Uh, the Grenier's are with us this morning. And if you don't know them, they're wonderful people to meet and to know. Uh, they own a coffee shop called Coffee Connections down in uh, Hilliard, which is in the Columbus area. And uh, the best way I can describe this is this is a, a missional business. Uh, it's one of those where the, their heart is uh, to connect uh, with uh, on a missional basis for the kingdom. And so the kingdom doesn't just need churches. The kingdom needs kingdom missional businesses, right? Like that's, that's the truth is that if we, want, if we want the gospel to saturate every single part of the world, it can't just be churches. It also has to be businesses and, and workplaces and all of those things. And that's exactly what uh, Pastor Nate uh, Grenier is doing. And so I'm really excited just to hear his heart uh, and to hear what the Lord has placed on his heart. So can we give a big Emmanuel welcome? Welcome uh, to Pastor Nate Grenier. Testing one, two. Testing one, two. There we go. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Hi. How you guys doing? You have to know a quick background. I'm a I have a kids ministry degree, so everything I do is like kids ministry oriented. So we're going to have fun today. So get ready to laugh, get ready to have some fun. I've got giveaways in this wonderful red thing here. So if you like coffee, because I brought coffee that I roasted this week and last week, so, and I pick on you, fantastic. If you don't like coffee, don't raise your hand. I'm not going to pick on you, okay? We'll just make that simple. All right, cool. So right before we begin, I do want to just introduce... Um, my family to you. This, are, this is my family. Yes, I am outnumbered. Yes, you can start praying for me right now. I need it. My oldest one, Annika, who's on the right, uh, she's actually, she's like, Dad, I really don't want to listen to you. Can I go play with the babies? And we're like, okay, go ahead, go play with the babies. She's in middle school. She started seventh, right? Seventh grade? Yeah, seventh grade. And oh, she's got the attitude already. So this is great. So yeah, this is a little bit about us. Just a quick background. Uh, my wife, Sharon, who's right over here, uh, we both met at Valley Forge University, or now the University of Valley Forge. She's a, a children's uh, a pastor's daughter. I'm also a pastor's son. She grew up outside of Toledo. I grew up, up in upstate New York. So ministry, church background is our entire upbringing. We understand it all. And so I went to Valley Forge to be a kids pastor. She went to Valley Forge to be an elementary ed teacher. We found each other. The Lord brought us together. We got married. And God took us on, and it still is bringing us on, a very crazy faith journey that we yet not understand why it's going this direction. So we were in West Virginia for a little bit, and then I went to Ashland Seminary, which is right down, you know, not too far from here. I got a master's degree at Ashland. And then the Lord called us back to the church in Pennsylvania that we helped started when we were in college. And during that time, two, two and a half years or so, things were great. Enjoyed moments. You know, you have your ups and downs in ministry. It's not always perfect in roses. There's, there's little issues here and you have to deal with. But the Lord kept stirring on my wife and I's heart just this unsettled discontent about what we were doing, which made no sense. 
prayed about it, reevaluated our entire life, reevaluated how we prayed, how we gave, how we decided to raise our children. At that time, we only had Annika and Eliza, who is the second one down there from her. And we just had those two. And we thought through our community life, like, what is God telling us? What is he showing us? Just this uncomfortable feeling. It wouldn't go away. The only thing we can come to the conclusion is God wanted us to say goodbye to kids' ministry, which made no sense. Got a degree in it really good at it. We got trained by best of the best. This was great. This was our calling. We knew this was from the Lord, and we felt like this was the only thing we had to let go of. It made no sense, and we let go of it. And the moment we let go, the peace of God entered our hearts, and we bawled. Told my lead pastor, he bawled. Told the secretary, she bawled. Told the church, they bawled. And the very following question would be, well, you're going to go be a kid's pastor, right? And I'm like, no. I don't think God wants me to be a kid's pastor anymore. I don't know what God wants me to do anymore. I just know I can't step back into full-time ministry like I knew it was to be. No clue what was going on. Freaked out about it. Not entirely sure. We're talking with various people. We tried to find coffee because they loved coffee. And at that time, Sharon and I hated coffee. Like the smell, I hated the headaches that I would get the next day if I didn't drink coffee. So we stayed away from it completely. And they were talking about having a coffee shop in California, maybe doing some ministry stuff, you know, pretty cool thing. I'm like, okay, cool, that sounds fun. Maybe we'll just go to California and live with you. The next day, coffee shop, community, that idea would never, didn't leave us. It just kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Contacted a lot of people. Long story short, the Lord brought us to Hilliard. And in there, from a series of absolutely miraculous events, we have a coffee shop that we've been there for now coming up on 10 years to September, right? Six years old has been the coffee shop, and we've seen a lot of crazy, crazy growth happen. But during this time, I have been, I've been researching and reading faith stories, because I want to know how does faith stories actually happen? What are the key pieces to help you know, help me know that I'm walking a line of faith? Because I know the KISS pastor role really well. I know the church role really well. I know exactly the steps I have to take. I know where I have to go. I know exactly what I have to do. But this, new. I don't know what I'm, I'm not a business person. I didn't get a business degree. Why would God call us, kids pastors, to open up a business? I don't know what I'm doing, God. Why would you pick me? Made no sense. So we had to follow into this faith journey. And as we read, as I read different faith stories, I love it. But usually the faith stories I find of people, they've passed. They're not around anymore. The stories were never passed on when they were alive. And so uh, recently a book was recommended to me by a friend called The Burning in My Bones. It's a biography of Eugene Peterson. Now, regardless if you like the message translation or not, Eugene Peterson was probably one of the most amazing people that I've ever read a faith journey about. How he wrestled with his faith with God. These desires that God gave him that never actually happened until later on in his life and his persistence in his prayer. The things he had to wrestle with in his own life. Like, I recognize, I'm like, yeah, I'm walking through that right now. Are just inspiring stories of people walking faith out normally. Nothing crazy, nothing nuts, just normal faith walk. And the Bible gives us plenty of those examples, right? We have plenty of heroes in our biblical text to show us about that faith. So what we're going to do today is we're going to highlight some, I want to highlight some of those heroes, and we're going to discover what faith journeys actually are. Because when you're a believer, that's what you are. You are on a faith journey. 
And it's helpful to know what to look for in the journey so you know you're not crazy. Right? How many, I don't I tell you, every day my wife and I, we come home from work, or we, we're at work, and we're like, are we even doing the right thing? Is this what God even wants? There's no roadmap. There's no book. There's no nothing. It's a journey. We have to discover the process, but the process is very frustrating. So what I like to do is I, look at, I like to look at people in the past, and I like to say, okay, what process did they go through so I can help myself understand what I'm doing? So let's pray before we begin. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to share. God, I stand behind you this morning, and I want your words to be my words. God, I want the words and the actions and the fun and the closeness, God, to come from you and not from me. God, I pray that we would receive what you would have, that we would apply it in our life, and we would just be even deeper in awe of who you are, Lord. In your name, amen. Okay. I need someone's help. Who wants to come? Remember, kids pastor. So we, okay, thank you very much. Come on up here, young man. Wonderful. Remember, kids pastor, we're going to have Give him a hand. Yes, yes, yes. Give him a hand. Wonderful. Okay. Have you ever seen, it was a long time ago, those find it jar thingies? They were like multicolored. You guys know what I'm talking about? It had multiple. Does anybody know what I'm talking about at all? It's like a, it's called a find it thing. Okay. It's cool. You should look it up. It's really cool. They're really like plastic and they got little pieces in it. And there's like on the bottom, it tells you what's in it and you have to like turn it to find it. Well, I made my own using rice. So what I want you to do is I want you to look through this jar and I want you to try to memorize and, and cause I'm going to come back to you in a second and you're going to tell me what you found in here, but you have to obviously coffee beans and rice is the main one, but I want you to see if you can find anything else as I continue to talk. All right. Just try to, Hey, I found this. I found this. All right. Just keep memorizing and we'll come back and we'll check on him in a moment. Okay. All right. So before we begin our faith stories, we have two things I need you to be on the same page with me, or this is not going to make sense at all. Okay. The first thing that we're going to talk about the same first thing is faith stories are about the process, not so much about the character. Now, here's the thing. Characters are important. We need them. It helps make a story. You are important. But what you go through to get there is the important process. And when we look at faith stories, sometimes what we do is we idolize that person. We say, wow, they're amazing. I can't be like them. Wow, that can't, I can't do that. Man, we idolize the person. We don't recognize the process that got them through there. So we need to understand first that faith stories are about the process. And as we dig into the process, we realize that we can live a fuller, deeper life that's revolutionary, very powerful, and yet simple. So we don't highlight, we don't idolize a person because just like you and me, we're messed up people. And at some point, we're all going to mess up. And I don't want to be the person like, well, they messed up. There goes my faith. Can't do it anymore. Why? Because we lifted that person to an idol status and they fell like they should. And then we lost, right? So it's not idolize this pro the person. We're going to look at the process they go through. The second thing we need to look about is that faith stories are about God being with us. All right, sir, what did you find? So I found a Tootsie Roll. Okay. I found a vitamin supplement. Very good. Yeah, what um, else? I also you find? found a Jolly Rancher. Very good. Achievable. Yep, good. What else did you find there? Um, did you find the nail? There's a nail. Okay, keep oh. going. All right, so there's a nail in there or a screw, one of the two. I've got two of them, so keep looking. It's going to be the hardest thing you find. Next, same thing as faith stories are about God being with us. This is the biblical text from Genesis 1 and 2. 
to Revelation 21, 22, God is so interested in being with his people, his most prized possession, the ones that look just like him. That's the goal. The goal from the beginning to the end is God being with us. And then we see in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus says, hey, go and make disciples. What is Jesus saying there? Hey, I'm giving you my spirit. Go. Go be with them. And then we see later on, and we see this in in a very powerful way in the Old Testament where they set up the tabernacle. Remember the tabernacle? They set it up, right? What is that? It's God being with his people. That's what he wants. And then later on, we see in Acts 2, the Spirit coming. Why? Because God wants to be with his people. Jesus promised it in John 17. I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send a comforter, and he's going to be with you. And he's going to, why is God doing this? Because he wants to be with you. Faith stories are all about God being with you. Yeah, he's with me, but he's really interested in you. All right, did you find the nail yet? I know, it's hard. It's okay. It's in there, I promise. Now, do you want to trust me about the nail, or would you like to open it and dump it out somewhere and try to find the nail? And if you do that, I would recommend probably the offering plate if you want to do that. You want to do that? All right, go for it. Go ahead, go find that. Okay, very good. He's going to find that thing. So, those are the two assumptions that we are looking at when it comes to faith stories, that they're about the process, and they're about God wanting to be with us. All right, did you find it yet? All right, you're doing a good job. Okay. Hey, now that's crazy. You didn't see that in there, right? See, what's interesting about the process of trying to find a nail on these finite things, it's perfectly hidden because of the weight distribution within it. You don't see it, but it's there. Faith stories are about the same thing. The process is there. We just don't see it. And we need to work on it. Thank you, sir. Give him a hand. Wonderful job. Thank you, sir. Good job. All right, very good. Okay. All right, first giveaway. Coffee. Who likes coffee? Raise your hand. Okay, sir, your hand. Come on up here. Get up here. Come on. I saw that hand. I saw that hand. All right. I've got three different kinds. I've got a light, a medium, and a dark. Which one would you like? Um, I'll take a medium. A medium? Okay, that's my favorite. Okay, awesome. Very good. That is yours. So now a question for you. All the characters in the Bible, which one is your favorite? Jesus, let's just take him off the plate. He's amazing, all right? Let's just, we'll make that there. But a a flawed human being in the Bible. Flawed human being? Yes, which is pretty much the entire Bible. So who in their favorite character in the Bible? Yeah. That he was a big and yes. powerful guy. Yes. He also did something where he tried to make peace with the other people. And then, then it happened to turn on him. And yes. There, and then he lost his strength. Exactly. So sacrificed himself. Right. In the end. Right. Um, so I think for me. Samson. Yeah. Very nice. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Good job. Thank you. Give him a hand. Wonderful job. You can have a seat. Wonderful. All right. Very good. I got two more left here. So. We'll, we'll be good. Okay. Faith stories. We'll go on to the first thing. Faith stories are all about God pointing you to Jesus. And when we think about faith stories, God is not just so much interested in you. He's in deeply in love with you, and he wants to be with you. That is key. That is so much—that is very important. And so we look at heroes of the faith. 
We look at heroes of the faith, and we, and we look at their life, and we say, man, they're amazing. When I think of heroes of the faith, I think of two men in particular. I think of Abraham and Moses. I don't know why. I just think of Abraham and Moses. Those are the two characters that pop in my head when someone says, faith journey, Abraham and Moses. I think why I like Abraham so much is because I love the fact that God came to him and said, hey, Abraham, I want you to leave your family, your friends, your town, and I'm going to bring you to a place you know nothing about. Sharon and I could recognize that. That's exactly what God did to us. I want you to leave everything that's comfortable. I'm going to put you in a place where I'm going to show you. And what I think was crazy about it is later on in chapter 17 of Genesis, God comes to Abraham and confirms the covenant. He's like, hey, Abraham, I'm going to confirm the covenant. I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people forever. Man, how cool would that be? If God could come to share and I and say, hey, you're going to do this for me. Oh, that would be amazing, right? Like, man, what, 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 type of, what type of character, what type of faith did Abraham have? Man, I, I want that. And I think of Moses, right? God calls him from a burning bush, says, hey, you're going to go and set my people free. And then you're going to bring them here, and we're going to worship, and they're going to be my people. Oh, man, how cool of an experience would that be, right? Be absolutely amazing. And when we look at the surface of it, we see that God is using Abraham and Moses to accomplish his goal, which is to be with his people. And we idolize Moses, we idolize Abraham, and we want to be just like them. But if we look at Abraham and we're like, man, but I'm not as good as Abraham, my faith isn't good. My, man, uh, Moses, I, I can't, man, he, he led millions of people. I can't even lead millions of people. There's no way. I have a hard time just leading my four children. There's no, why would I lead millions of complaining, right? But if you look at Abraham's story, you look at Moses' story, you realize something very quickly. They're both flawed human beings that messed up so many times. We don't highlight that in the church. We don't highlight the fact that they messed up, but God still used them. But they kept coming back to God over and over and over again. And that's what's crazy, is that, remember, God is wanting us, pointing us to Jesus. He wants to be with us regardless of the flaws we have. He desires community. He wants that. But we look at faith heroes, and we say, I can't be like Moses. I can't be like Abraham. And God's like, yes, you can, because I am with them. I am with you, regardless of the flaws, regardless of the mess-ups. And we think through Jesus— you know, Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to be with us. And his reason for coming, it's much deeper than just saving us. It's deeper than that. That's kind of where we, we land. Like, oh, come to Jesus. Woo, heaven, right? There's something deeper there when Jesus comes. It's to be with us. I love Colossians chapter 1. Verses 15 to 22. So if you have your Bibles, you can open to that, electronic Bibles. I have it up there. I apologize. It's really small to read, so you might just want to go that way instead, and I, I apologize for that. I know a lot of people jump to John 3.16. Easy one. But I feel like this is like—I don't know why. Ever since I graduated college, for some reason, these groups of verses keep popping up. So it's Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 22. I'm going to read it. You can join me if you want in reading as well. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So Paul is, a lot of theologians think this section of the Bible, just because the way the verses are break down, looks like it could be a song or something that was sung on a regular basis with the early church. We're not entirely sure, but the way it's laid out, it could be that way. So Christ is a visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. So he's setting up the supremacy of Christ. Okay? 
way up here, really important, king, okay? He made things we can see and things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him, for him. He existed before anything else and holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything, setting up this idea of who Jesus is. Amazing, awesome, powerful, holds it together. This is who he is. Forgotten in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. That just sounds amazing, right? Like, that's pretty cool. That's what God does. But that's not what gets my heartstrings pulled. It's the next verse. This includes you who were once far away from God. This one hurts. You are his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. We have a dichotomy, people. God and us. That's what. But this is what's cool, because God wants to be with you, right? Next part. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Notice what happened here. You did nothing to deserve this. This is all God. Faith journeys are all about God wanting to be with you. He did this for you. You didn't deserve it. Because again, we were his enemies separated by him. We don't deserve this. He did it. So how do we apply this in our life? Because I think this is where we have to answer this question, so what? What does it mean when God's to be with us? How, how do I live this out, right? That's important. And I think we all desire to be part of something great. We all desire to be a part of something amazing. All right, I need someone else to come and help me to find the stuff in the jar. Who wants to do it? I need help. Raise your hand. Raise your, yes, I see that hand in the back row. Come on up here. Give him a hand. Thank you. All right. I want you to look around in there, memorize what you see, okay. and I'll come back to you in a moment, and we'll discover what else you see. Okay, so faith journeys, right? It's how we apply things in our life. We all desire to be part of something important, right? Like we all do. We want to make sure our lives mean something. We just don't want to go through life like, oh, whatever, right? No, no, that's not what we do. We want our lives to mean something. We want to ensure, and for as a believer, for those who believe in Christ, we really want to make sure we're doing things for God, right? I really want to make sure I'm serving Jesus. I really want to make sure I have a calling. I really want to make sure we have all this stuff, right? And we start learning on our faith journey that there's struggles that keep coming up. That question, why are we doing this? And then we look at Abraham and we look at Moses and the questions start coming up. I'm not good like them. God never showed up to me and talked to me like he showed up for Abraham and Moses. I must not be good enough. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm wandering in my life and, and we, we mess up. Why? Because we're looking for fruit. We're looking for success. And I'll tell you what, this is probably the number one conversation Sharon and I talk about all the time with our coffee shop. How do we know we're being successful for what God called us to do? How? I mean, if you, if you look at the face of it, it's, it's, we're caught between two worlds. In the business world, success is money, right? You have a lot of money coming in. That's how I know you're being successful. 
Obviously not the multiple locations, not the cars, not all that. It's the money. I know you're being successful. For a church, because I grew up in it, it's the amount of people that are coming to your church every Sunday. Butts in a seat. Money and butts in a seat. That's our matrix for success. You can all go home. Thank you. Have a right day, right? No, right? That's how we measure success. But what if God doesn't give you neither of those? That's where we're caught. That's our prayers. That's our cries. That's our, that is where we keep coming back. God doesn't give us a lot of money. We're a small coffee shop. doesn't make a lot of money. And I don't have a church that meets on a regular basis. How do I know I'm being successful? And I have to keep coming back. When I read faith stories like Eugene Peterson, when I read faith stories like Abraham and Moses, God's not so much interested in the success. He's interested in being with you through the process. God will take care of the success. It's his fruit, not yours. He cares about how are you doing through the process because he loves you. That is probably the hardest thing for us as human beings to recognize and walk into because it doesn't seem good enough. It doesn't seem big enough, but the simplicity of it is so powerful. All right, sir. Let's see what you got. All right. What'd you find? So is that Lego man? Hat? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. So there's a Lego guy in yep. here. Yep. Yep. His hat is lost. Yes. There. There's a cough drop. Very good. There's a cherry starburst. Very good. A lot. There it is. Yep, there it is. I also found the screw. You found it? I did find the screw. Okay, yeah, good luck finding it again. But you found it. Right there. There. Awesome. You found exactly what's everything? in there. That's everything. Hey, give him a hand. Good job. <laughs> All right. Mic drop. Good job. You found it. Wonderful job. Good. Very good. Awesome. I love it. Okay. Next giveaway. I need someone else who likes coffee. Raise your hand. Yes, sir. I saw that hand. Come on up here. All right. I have a light roast or a dark roast? Dark Rose. Okay. Favorite character in the Bible? Uh, David. Why? Because he was this little kid. Yep, he was this huge giant, like, yeah. taller than him. But he grabbed the rock, yeah. threw it at him, and took him down while all these warriors were, like, dying. Right. And, they were, and he was able to do it with one rock. Right. Pretty cool, right? God provides. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Give him a hand. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, so faith journeys, recap, are all about God pointing us to Jesus. The second one is faith journeys are an emotional roller coaster, helping us to dig deeper roots. Now, the Bible is full, full of examples of people that experience unfair pain and disappointment. And so for a moment, I want us to consider Job. Job is probably definitely not one of those books that you're like, man, I feel great today. I'm going to read the book of Job. Yeah. No, you read the book of Job, and you're like, just like Ecclesiastes, everything's meaningless, I'm done, right? You're just done with life. You just don't care anymore, right? But Job, if you read it interesting through slowly, you start seeing something, especially if you have gone through some a grief or a loss or a disappointment. You read Job, and you're like, this guy's on to something. This guy's on to something. So what happens? If you haven't read Job in a while, let me set the scene for you. In the heavenly courts, everything is around, and then Satan comes in, and God says, hey, where have you been? And, God, and Satan's like, oh, I've been roaming the earth around here and there. And then God drops to like, hey, have you considered my servant Job? See how flawless he is? See how full of integrity he is? Satan's like, <laughs> destroy his kids. Take away everything he knows. Inflect him with some disease. Surely he's going to curse your face. And God's like, go right ahead. Just spare his life. 
Job receives unfair punishment and pain. And then what does he do? He wants answers because he's a man of integrity. He's done nothing wrong. And then his friends show up, right? His friends, we think, oh, it's so good to have friends, right? Especially when you're grieving and you have people with you that are just quiet, that are holding you, right? His friends don't do that. No. What does his friends do? His friends say, Job, come on, man, you must have sinned. Because we all know bad things don't happen to good people. You must have done something wrong. And Job's like, I've done nothing wrong. I'm blameless. Why did God do this to me? Why do I have this? And then Job later on in, um, in chapter 13, Job says, I want to plead my case with God himself. Toe to toe, God. I've done nothing wrong. Why did you hurt me? Why, why did this happen? Why did this happen? His friends are like, oh, it's because you've sinned. And Job's like, no, it's not because of sin. We realize in the book of Job that life's not fair. Bad things happen. And then if you keep reading on, you notice that his friends are like, well, Job, the, the sins of the wicked are going to get piled on them. I mean, they, they leave in destruction. They, they have all this loss and all this pain. And Job's like, hey, I don't want to fight with you, but I've experienced something different. The wicked, they have the house. The wicked, they have the money. They have the peace. They die and go to the grave in peace. But the righteous, they're, pain, they're in pain all the time. They're suffering all the time. They're in doubt all the time. That's not fair. Book of Job. Life's not fair. COVID was a great example for everybody. That life is not fair. There's full of pains and disappointments in this world. So we have to ask ourselves the question, in a faith journey, how does one live? And I ask this question a lot, especially in our business. Our business had to survive and go through COVID. I thought for sure it was going to be done. We thought for sure it was going to be over. At that time, we had two other locations. We had one more that was going to open right across the street. We felt like the Lord was blessing us. Then COVID came. We thought, it's over. I'm a small coffee shop. There's no way I'm going to survive. Thankfully, the other two closed down. That was a blessing from the Lord at this point, in this perspective. At that point, I thought it was going to be horrible. From this point, I'm like, thank you, God, those are over. And we just focused on one. And between the Lord and the community, our coffee shop survived. We actually thrived during COVID. We made more money during this tough season than we did before, which is wonderful, but horrible as the owners. Going like, I just lost everybody. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, I don't know how to handle this rush anymore, right? It's exhausting. You start walking us through. And I remember sitting down and having this conversation with God about like, Lord, I don't, like, I can't handle this anymore. This is too much. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I feel like I'm on, I'm on a pendulum swing. One day I'm really happy. The next day I feel like I'm ready to give up on life. One day I feel like this is amazing. The next day, what is the point of living, right? This pendulum swing back and forth, back and forth, asking God, what's the point of it all? And then the Spirit reminded me of this verse in Matthew 11, 25 through 30, which is not on the screen, but you all know it. Jesus says to everyone, Come to me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, who have heavy burdens, and I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, for it is easy and light, for I'm lowly and gentle. And I remember reading that going like, false. God, your burden is not light because you told us to leave kids pastor and do this coffee shop. You said your burden was light. This burden is heavy. 
I am crushed under the weight of this burden. We are in tears every night knowing how we're going to pay our bills. Lord, we don't even know if we're going to be successful. You said your burden was light. You said your burden was easy. It's not. It's painful. It's a thorn. It's, God, help me understand why you would say that, and I'm living this. Faith journeys bring us to the reality of life where we have to decide what is God wanting us to do. And then, out of the miracle of the Lord, this book was sent to me, called Gentle and Lowly. The author literally breaks down this verse that I just quoted you. And what's interesting about this, the author says, as much as we want God to remove us from the situations, as much as we want God to completely eradicate our things, as much as we want God to remove our own personal sin— He doesn't do it. Why? Because he wants to show that he loves you regardless. And he's going to walk with you through the pain. As much as you want him to remove it from you, he may not do that. And if he does, that doesn't mean you're not holy. It doesn't mean that you're lacking in your prayer life. It doesn't mean that you're not doing these things. It just means that he wants to be with you in that process and walk you through. You know, we are struggling all the time, and, and our shop has issues. Just recently, the, the, our Jeep, our, oh, God bless that Jeep. For the business, it keeps having problems, and the car market is just terrible. I, it's terrible. Like, I, I, we, we need to buy a car for the business, but why would I be paying an eight-year loan on something that's 30,000 miles right now that's going to cost me 50,000 and say, Why? I can't even lease a car. I'm like, God, do you see how am I going to do the job that you told me to do if I have no car to do it? Right? Amen, right? This is right. And so I'm wondering, God, where are you going to do with this? And our brain's going to, did we, I mean, we're literally sitting in our kitchen the other day. I mean, we're crying. Her and I are crying, holding each other. Have we sinned somewhere in our life that God would be so mad at us to punish us? Just like Job's friends would think. That's not the process at all. See, when we read this thing, we see that God is with us in that, in the pain. He doesn't leave you alone. We have hope. Though we want the answer right now, though we want the solution right now, God may not do that. And if he doesn't, that's okay because he's with you in it. And that's the assurance that we have. And we have to dig deeper into it. As we dig deeper, we read something here, like in Ephesians 3, 16 to 21. It reads, I pray from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and you will stay strong. Why is Paul saying that? It's because he knows that life sucks. And he knows that anytime we have hardship, pain, disappointment that we think is completely unfair— He knows that we need to be reminded of God's love to anchor us and keep us strong. He goes on, he goes, that you may understand, and I tell you what right now, I don't think we believers as Christians actually understand this next part because our lives don't live it. I know I'm challenged with every single time I read it. You may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great for you to understand fully. 
It's crazy, right? Paul is saying, I hope you understand it, but guess what? You're not going to understand it. That's not fair, Paul. You can't say that. But he's saying that. I hope you understand the experience of Christ, but you're not going to fully understand it. God wants to be with us. He goes on. Then you'll be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through and mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinity more that we might ask or think. Lord, I'm praying for a car right now, so I'm praying for more than just a car. Right? That's not what this means. Roots need to go down deep into God's love. It's not the physical. As much as I want God to provide us a new car, God's teaching Sharon and I something deeper than just providing a car. As much as I know he loves us, and I pray that he'll provide for us, I know that, but there's something deeper he's teaching us. Glory to him in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So what's Paul saying here? He says that God loves you even before you sinned. God loves you even when you sinned. And God loves you even after you've messed up and you confess. And Paul's saying this because he wants you to be have complete understanding so you can be complete, completely whole in him. He may not remove you from the world. You're still going to go through problems. Why? Because we're in a sinful world, guys, and bad things happen to good people. And though we want God to rescue us, we want God to save us, we want God to remove us, he may not do that. And if he doesn't, it doesn't mean you have sin in your life. It doesn't mean you're messing up. It just means welcome to a sinful world. And we have to trust the Lord through the whole process. That's why it's important to have believers. That's why it's important to do things. All right. I need someone. You get two requirements on this one. A, you have to have love coffee. And B, you have to trust me. I can't. You're, you're going to need it after this part. You love coffee and you trust me? All right, come on up here, sir. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Okay. I do this with kids all the time. Hi, what's your name? Kevin. Kevin. Nice to meet you, Kevin. My name is Nate, and you like coffee, right? Okay, well, you got the light roast. There you go. That is yours. But before you go anywhere, we're going we're gonna to do something together, but I need you to trust me. So before, you can sit down if you want to, but do you trust me? I you do? Awesome. See, faith journeys lead us to this hard part in our life where we have to trust God. That is the entire point of a faith journey, of a faith process. It's leading us to trust God. Because why? God wants to be with us, and we will experience disappointment in life. So God, so we know that we have this trust in God. But the, the trust is scary. It's like this rat trap. This is not a mouse trap, sir. This is a rat trap. Bigger animals, okay? tell you what, rat traps are scary. Really scary. And you know, faith journeys, they're scary. They're scary. You know, we, you know, you read people that go through a faith journey, you read your Bible and you read people that go through faith journeys, you're just like, it's a good thing the Lord didn't tell Abraham what was going to happen. It's a good thing the Lord didn't tell Moses, hey, I know you can't go in the promised land, but don't worry about it. They're going to screw it up when they cross over. Okay. All your work, meaningless. He wouldn't do it. God only shows you, do you trust me? And this is hard, and this is what faith stories do for us. So I'm going to have you do, is I'm going to lift this up, and I'm going to put your hands here, and I'm going to let go of the bar, and I promise nothing's going to happen to you. I'll give you another chance to back out. Do you trust me? Really? 
Are you just saying it because you don't want to be embarrassed and sit down? It's okay. You can be honest. We're all human beings here. We all, it's okay. You can back out. Like I say, I do this with little kids all the time, and it's okay. Do you, yeah? Or do you want to sit down? Okay. All right. Come on up here so everyone can see. Come on up here. You have insurance, right? Just in case something. <laughs> all right, sir. Okay, great. Come on right here. Right here. Front and center. Front and center. See, faith stories lead us to this point where we have to trust God. And that trust is scary. We don't know. We just, I wish I could tell you that this is going to work out exactly the way you want. I wish that all the pain and disappointment go away. I wish that your fingers won't be crushed by the rat trap. They won't, I promise. But God, as in the faith journeys, as we learn something about a faith journey, is that God really is more interested in being with you than not so much about what you're going to do. Because you're going to do things with him anyways. Because as you spend time with him, you're going to do things anyways. It's going to happen. And he just wants to be with you. That's it. Because he knows if you're going to spend time with him, everyone else is going to see it. Everyone else is going to experience it. It's not just going to be you. So you don't have to worry about But we do that. We worry all the time because we want our life to be meaningful. And then when painful stuff happens, when disappointment happens, I thought for sure by now I'd have multiple coffee shops. I thought I'd have churches in every coffee shop. I thought by now, I mean, thought by now, not what God's doing right now. And I questioned every day. God, is, are, we, are we being obedient? It's a hard thing to realize. But God wants to say, hey, trust me on this. I've got you because I just want to be with you. And though you're scared, though you're nervous, I got you. Everything's going to be okay. And it's a hard thing for us to learn as humans because we're not trusting individuals because we doubt all the time. Ready for it? Okay. Okay. You have that insurance, right? Just in case something terrible does happen. All right. I want you to put your hands right there. I'm going to lift it up. You're going to put your hands right there, okay? Okay? Go ahead. I promise you will be fine. But see, this is it. This is great. This is exactly what kids do. It's okay. We are nervous. We're scared because when God says, this is what happened to Sharon and I, and this happens to everyone on Faith Stories. Go ahead and just read and look through your Bible. Every single time they're about on a Faith Story, what happens? God shows up and says, let me tell you what's going to happen. And then he removes his presence. He, he, he's with them, but they don't see him. They don't hear, feel him. They don't do anymore. And they just start walking. And then he messes up. Oh, I threw it off. And God's like, no, I'm still here. Remember, that's the point of faith stories. God with us. He's here with us. Whew. Ready? Okay. You sure? Okay. okay. Put your hand right there. Okay. I'll move it up closer so that way, if it does happen, your fingers don't. Okay, you're good. Okay. Whew. You ready? Okay, hang on. You guys, all of you, are not helping the situation. There's, they're like, oh gosh, like this is gonna happen. We got tears going on over here. This is, this is. Whew. I just want everyone to take a breath. Okay, this is a great example. Everyone, break out your phones, get your videos going, because I know you're gonna do it. It's gonna go on Instagram. It's gonna go on TikTok. Preacher messes up, <laughs> right? Okay, everyone's gonna do it. I know. Seriously, it's okay. Get your phones out. You can record this, post this, whatever you want to do. You ready, sir? Is that your writing hand or non-writing hand? Right. You might want to try the other one, just in case. <laughs> no, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, ready? All right, put your hand right there. You ready? Yep. Three. Don't move your hand. 
Keep it right there. The whole. I know you want to move, and I know you want to protect yourself, but I'm telling you, trust me, don't move your hand because the moment it's over, you're going to be like, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. You ready? Take a deep breath. Ready? Three, two, one. Give him a hand. Would you like to see... Would you like to see how the trap didn't hurt you? So what's great about the rat trap or any traps is that you have to know how they work. Faith journeys, we have to know how they work. Once we know how they work, then we can take a side. doesn't mean we're not going to be afraid. We're still going to be afraid. It's going to happen. But the moment we start understanding how it works, we can expect things. We can expect that God's going to be with us, and then we can expect pain and disappointment. It's still going to hurt. But we, we can expect some things. So the rat trap works on a very easy principle. There's this bar here. The bar creates tension. But if I remove the tension from the bar, there's nothing holding the bar down anymore. No tension. See, and that's what faith journeys are. If we trust the Lord, he knows how to remove the trap. He says, here, take the faith journey. Oh, that looks scary. And God's like, I got it. I already know what's going to happen. You know, he could tell us. Oh, that'd be so easy. I could have told you right away. Hey, this is how it's going to work. You'd be fine, right? You'd be like, oh yeah, I could totally trust you, right? Like you'd be like totally like, hey, look at me. I can do, right? Yeah. So you would be totally confident and arrogant, right? But this way, what it did, it made you humble and made you have to trust me. That's what faith journeys teach us. They teach us a process that we have to go through and it's painful. It hurts. Thank you so much, sir. Give him a wonderful hand. Good job there. Have a great, have a seat. And that's faith journeys. So faith journeys help us dig deeper into what we have to do. Now, I'll tell you, when I do that with kids, like the parent of the kid that's up there is freaking out. Like they're like, oh, they're like, they're just freaking out. It's fantastic. But that rat, this rat trap is a really easy illustration of what faith journey at trusting God is like. He knows it. And I'll tell you what, there are days that go by that Sharon and I, we still tout we're good enough for what God's called us to do because we're not business people. We don't have all the money in the world. We have four beautiful daughters. And I'm like, I hope I can feed you tomorrow. <laughs> like, I hope, I, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. It's, it's one of the, when you own, I can't, oh, I'm not even going to go into about the coffee, coffee world. But, but the Lord has provided us through these six years. He protected us and kept us and thrived, helped us thrive through COVID. Where a lot of businesses in our community shut down. And time after time, we get people in, the, in our local community that don't know Jesus, business owners, city people that we're good friends with, that come to us on a regular basis and just want to be with us, sometimes in tears, sometimes asking, why are you guys like still doing it? We just met with the city a couple days ago to talk about this uh, kind of a new idea. We weren't even sure what to do. And then we got confirmation from the city. Like, we literally just had a meeting about that the next day. So we're going to designate your shop, shop as the pilot program to this. And we're like, uh, no, that's not what I said. I said, we have an idea. What can we do to help? I didn't want to be the pilot program to whatever you're doing. What did God do? He gave us an idea. And now he's walking us through. And we're like, how are we going to pull this off? We have to trust the Lord to provide. It's that easy, but it's hard because I know it's going to happen. Pain, disappointment, joy, the pendulum's going to keep swinging back and forth. But God's going to be faithful through it all. It's going to take a moment here. Eyes closed. Everyone's eyes closed, please. 
I don't know, if you're like me, you may not be like me, and if you're not like me, the Lord has blessed you. I get nervous and scared a lot about things that are outside of my control, especially when they come into view about what, I, what I'm called to do or what I want to do. I thought for sure my life would be on a completely different trajectory 10 years ago. I thought my life would be in a church, being a kid's pastor, doing traveling children's ministry evangelism around the country, maybe even around the world, maybe teaching kids ministry to, to people, to people. Right? That, that's what I thought. And then God said, no. I want you to open a coffee shop instead. And, do. and now Sharon and I are looking at, well, I, I hope we're doing a good job. And my affirmation has to come from the Lord and not for people. But sometimes you just need that from people. We all struggle with this. Everyone in this room, you have to struggle with this idea of not just your identity, but your purpose. And when you look at your life right now, or if you looked at your life in the past, or you're looking in the future, you don't know how God's going to accomplish it. You're afraid. You're nervous. You really want to make sure you're doing the right things. Going to college, not going to college. Marrying that person, not marrying that person. Buying that car, not buying that car. Buying that house, not buying that house. Going here, not doing this. All these decisions that could literally seal the trajectory of your life. It is scary. It is overwhelming. And you just, you want to make the right decisions. But I want to encourage you that God is with you. And he loves you deeply. And just because pain and disappointment come doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It's just a part of their sinful, fallen world. I've been praying a lot how to close this. And I think what's the best thing to do right now is I would like to invite Pastor to come up here. What I want to do is very simple, very easy. What I want, Pastor, if you could do, is I would just want you to walk around the building. Maybe you don't have to go in between the aisles. But I just want you just to pray blessing over each person in this room that you serve. Because they all go through stuff, and you know probably some of it. And they just need to be encouraged. I know for me, I need to be encouraged as well. And as we do that, what I'd like, actually, Carly, why don't you come up? Because you guys are a team. You guys are, you guys are a unit. I want you both to do this together. And as they walk around this building, what I want you to do is I want you to pray that the Lord encourages them as a couple. To keep them strong together, that they have that peace from the Lord. So they're praying for you as they walk around, and you're going to pray for them as they walk around. Does that make sense? So we're not really doing anything crazy, nothing. We're, we're going to have this unity of prayer of this cycling, okay? All right, let's go ahead. Whenever you guys are ready, go right ahead. Remember, faith journeys are scary. They're nerve-wracking. And we need each other through the process. The process isn't just for pastors. The, pa the process isn't just for evangelists. The process is for you because God loves you. He cares about you. And we all need encouragement. We all need that reminder that my faith, my journey of faith matters to God. Which is why it's important to have other believers to share life, to be honest with, and to walk through this life art. Because faith journeys, they're amazing, but boy, they're hard.
and we need each other. Sometimes the Lord calls some people to do specific things like being a pastor of a church, maybe being a, a wonderful volunteer. Other times the Lord might say, hey, I want you to open up a business or I want you to be a school teacher or I want you to be that awesome grandparent or I want you to have children or I want you to bless this church in this way or I want you to bless this community in this way. Hey, I want you to serve our servicemen. Hey, I want you to be a translator at, at the airport. Hey, I want you to be a translator in my school. Hey, God, I, I want you to do this musician thing. I want you to go, God, my, I want you to be a basketball player. I want you to be a football player. I want you to do this for me. Each one of us has a unique faith journey we have to walk through. And just because it's hard doesn't mean God's left you alone. It just means that that's part of the process. So don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. God loves you, and he's got a direction for your life. We need each other to remind each other of these faith stories, which is why I love to read the Bible through the lens of a faith story. I love to read people's faith stories. One of the blessings that I always, I got to take was when we got to Sharon's grandmother. We would sit and ask her questions. Hey, what did you and your husband do as a pastor? Tell me what you've learned through this life of faith. And it was just like clarity, clarity, clarity. Now she's no longer with us. She's with her husband rejoicing in the Lord's presence. But those little things in that moment was what we needed. That tells me God loves me so much that though I didn't have a lot of time with her, he knew that, and he put her in my life just for that moment, and boom, next step. God loves me. God loves you. It's a simple truth. It's so powerful. It's so dynamic, but we don't really live it out how much deep and wide and long God's love is for you. Something that is so powerful but not too complicated for us to understand. Faith journeys are tough. They're exhausting. You want to give up. But remember, God's given us his word and a bunch of flawed characters in it to show us that God loves them and use them. God loves you and will use you. So let me just pray over you, and then I'll turn it over to Pastor. Jesus, thank you so much for this time in your presence. Thank you so much for this wonderful group of people that call this home. God, I pray for, for them as they are on their faith journey that you would bless them, that you would take care of their need. God, that they would feel deep in the soul what Jesus, you said in Matthew 11, that come to me, all who are burdened, that have heavy weights on their shoulders. I'll give you rest. I am gentle. I am lowly. I am for you. Jesus, I pray they feel that today in the depths of their soul. They would stand up. They would walk. They would expect today, being like, wow, I feel lighter today. That burden's not there. Because, God, you love me. God, you love me deeply. And you're for me. And you're going to direct me. No matter where I'm at, God, bless these people as they serve the community, as they serve this church, as they serve this pastor, and this pastor and his wife serves them. God, I pray for our complete unity through your son, Jesus Christ, that this building where it sits 
this property, where it sits in this community, God, I pray that a freeness of life flows from it. A real people realizing that you love them deeply, that they're messed up, they're not perfect, things are not going to go the way they want. But that doesn't matter because they are walking faith out with you. God, I pray you bless these people in your name.